The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Welcome to this week's Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. I'm Luke Edwards, here with you once again. And joining us, we have got Dan Penland once again. Hello, Dan. Hey, Luke. Good to see you. Good to see you too. And also we've got Inyesh Shampeo. Hello, Inyesh. Hello there. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and thanks for coming on. I know you've been ill, so uh, thanks for sort of uh, battling through and coming on. Yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm better now. So <laughs> that's why I was able to come on here. Good. Still good. sleepy though. Well, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. Well, hopefully you're fully over whatever it is. We're going to start off, though, with some sad news this week, with the sad passing of Sheffield United's Maddie Cusack and the football community in general have been paying tribute, Dan, haven't they? Yeah, really popular character, great player for Sheffield United, great ambassador of the, the club as well. So, yeah, terribly sad news. Everybody's really, really been hit by it. And, uh, you know, we obviously were thinking of her, her family, you know, the club, teammates, everybody involved and, um, you know, just send our wishes. Yeah, and we send our best wishes here from the podcast as well to uh, Maddie's family and also to everyone at Sheffield United and, and the previous clubs that she's played for as well. We're going to look at the Nations League now and England, shall we say, squeezed past Scotland. Lauren Hemp and Lucy Bronze with the goals. Kirsty Hanson, Kirsty Hansen pulled one back and then she hit the bar as well in the second half. And Dan, a bit like in the World Cup at times, England did just enough in the end. Yeah, I mean, they were lucky. I didn't think I was going to say that, but they were lucky in the end because obviously Scotland hit the bar as well. So, yeah, it, it's a weird one. Um, you know, when you get these local derbies, the the opposition are always going to really, really up the game. And I kind of felt that Scotland rose to the challenge. They had a point to prove and, you know, they never give up fighting over the 90 minutes. But, yeah, England, it was a little bit disjointed, I think, over, over the 90 minutes. I think, you know, first half they played pretty well. They got the two goals ahead. And, you know, the moment that Hansen scored, you know, everything kind of just fell into, into pieces a little bit. And, you know, they just never got going second half. And, you know, there was only one team that was going to score again. And thankfully they didn't um, because Scotland were brilliant and, you know, brought together a really, really effective counter-attacking game second half. So, yeah, I think it was, it was a strange one with it being a derby. Obviously, you know, the form goes out the window, the ranking goes out the window, but... um yeah, I think England, there's, there's much to improve on, you know, looking at that Dutch game in midweek. Yeah, I mean, Serena Wiegmann didn't want to use sort of only a month after it being a World Cup final as an excuse, but do you think that did play a part a bit? I mean, it's a nightmare. We don't really want these games, you know, a few days before the start of the WSL season and a few days after the World Cup. It's The games have come at the worst possible time. Players just want to be with their clubs preparing for the season after a period of rest that they probably haven't been able to get. So, yeah, it's not ideal. It's When 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 I learned that the Nations League was starting and the fixtures were going to be in this window, um, you know, I shook my head, really. It's a shocking time to have games, you know, right at the start of the season, straight after World Cup. So, yeah, I think anyone would be lying if they said that, you know, it didn't have an effect on the players. But, you know, I just hope the, the fresh and healthy going into the new season because it's going to be really, really long daunting season for many and you mentioned about Scotland there being really good Dan I mean Pedro Martinez Lowe has extended his deal as manager until 2027 and they were quite bullish about how they feel they're progressing under him and it does feel like good times are ahead 
It does in the league as well. I mean, how I know they're not getting world class players in Scotland, but you look at the amount of championship players from England that have taken offers to go north of the border rather than stay in England. You know, obviously something good's kind of bubbling away there. Um, and it is going to take a few years. They are they are gonna have to develop some of their own players into, you know, top class stars, you know, filling the boots of Karen Carolyn Weir and players like that in the future. Um, but yeah, they've got something special, I think. Um, it's just going to take a little bit of time, but having the, the head coach contracted for you know a long period is hopefully going to keep that as kind of a smooth transition in the future years. In the night's other Group A1 derby, substitute Jessina Blom got ahead to Tessa Woolart's corner in added time to win Belgium a dramatic 2-1 victory. Joe Rhodes' goal for the visitors on the hour had been instantly cancelled out by teenager Maria Detroyer after a cross by Blom. The Netherlands, who had Jacinta Weimar making a debut in goal in the absence of both Daphne van Domselaar and Lizzie Kopp, welcome England and old coach Sharina Wiegman back to Utrecht on Tuesday. I can highly recommend going to Utrecht, by the way, if, if you are thinking, thinking of going over to that game. Uh, Dan, quickly, that's going to be a, another tough test for England. It is, and it was a shock the other night. Um, you know, I think when Belgium and Netherlands met before the World Cup, I think the Netherlands won 5-0, so... You know, there's a big difference in score lines in a short period of time. But, um, you know, just looking back on that game the other night, Belgium seemed to blow hot and cold a little bit. They've got a lot of potential, a lot of good good players. But, you know, for every poor result, there's a good one just around the corner and vice versa. So, you know, I think the Dutch were shocked. Um, they'll want to react against England. They'll want to react against Wiegman, definitely. Um, you know, back on their home soil with, with that huge backing of sea of orange if you like backing them you know it, it's going to be a difficult game for England and you know it, it's two teams really who didn't perform to the best on Friday night who need to come out and give a bit of a performance but you know with the work with the WSL so close as well now I think it's again just about getting that game played and you know getting a positive result and keeping us in a good position going into the next games in October. And yes Portugal are in group A2 they lost 2-0 in France just tell us about that. Well, it was a it was a tough game for Portugal. Uh, as always, we were kind of sharp defensively. We managed to delay uh, France's goal and then France's second goal. But uh, France are obviously better than uh, Portugal. That is, <laughs> there's no question about that. And uh, you know, it's also great on the other hand to be able to uh, face these kinds of teams because you're the best. And when you're playing. With against the best, uh, you know, you become better. So that's great. But yeah, France are better than Portugal. Uh, Patricia Moraes, our goalkeeper, was able to fend off a lot of uh, very dangerous shots. Uh, but in the end, uh, it was we were defeated by a goal where we failed defensively because um, you know you cannot you cannot open up a crater uh, right in front of of the box. Um, and that was very bad defensively. And also, uh, the ball went in through the near post. So that has to be the keepers. But then the 2 0 was, you know, a great goal. Selma Basha is an amazing player. Uh, we all know about her uh, long range uh, shooting uh, capabilities. But yeah, the, the problem with Portugal is uh, we the team is able to, um, you know, do well defensively, but then is very, very harmless uh, offensively, which is something I, I actually uh, mentioned before the World Cup. And we saw that in the World Cup as well, um, which was a little bit better. But uh, I think um, our manager still adopts a very uh, conservative 
towards um, you know a style of play where we are too defensive, and I think it's time to let uh, let our attackers uh, be a little freer. We also noticed the absence of Jessica Silva, one of our most important players, most creative players. Um, but yeah, uh, it was a pity, and right at the end. Really, before uh, the 2-0, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we missed a huge chance. Uh, well, it wasn't a huge huge chance, but it was uh, people screamed goal on the TV uh, because it looked like the ball went in and it didn't. But still, we've looked uh, very harmless uh, def- uh, offensively, and that is something to improve on in the future. Yeah, the other game in that group saw Austria and Norway draw 1-1. Substitute Eileen Campbell produced a superb finish from the edge of the box with 18 minutes left to give the Austrians a 1-1 draw. That was in Norway. Karina Savic had given the home team a deserved half-time lead. And Norway are now under new interim head coach Leif Gunnar Schmurred. They twice hit the bar late on. Uh, who Portugal got next in that group, Inesh? It's Norway uh, in Portugal. Uh, on Tuesday, it's going to be a tough game. But um, having seen what they did against Austria, I'm hopeful. Actually, I'll be uh, quite brave and say I believe, I firmly believe that Portugal will end this group in second place. Uh, like mm. the way that Norway, Norway are playing, even though they have obviously like many more top players than us, Portugal are the better team collectively, you know, and I do think because I've seen Portugal play against Norway, it's been a, it's been a matchup that we've seen quite a, quite a bit in, in recent months. Uh, Portugal will, will not be as fearful against Norway as we were, as they were against uh, France, because it's a, it's a, you know, it's a fair matchup. So I do believe that Portugal will play, will play more, much more bravely against Norway because our problem, you know, uh, the defensiveness is against top teams. Uh, And I believe that Portugal can, can, can get the win and finish in the group in second place. I do believe it. Excellent. Well, we'll see if that happens. Uh, in Group A3, Denmark made a superb start under new coach Andre Jeglitz with two Emily Vansgaard's goals, giving them victory against Germany, who have Britta Carlsen in temporary charge due to Martina Voss-Tecklenburg's illness. The opener was supplied by Peniel Harder, and Vansgaard then took advantage of a defensive mix-up for the second. And the other goal, the other game, saw Wales fall to a one-nil defeat in Iceland with captain Gladys Vigosdottir heading home the only goal. And finally, Group A4, just a few weeks after beating Sweden with a late winner in a thrilling World Cup semi-final in Auckland, Spain repeated the trick in Gothenburg. Magda Eriksson headed Sweden in front, but Athena. The Castello soon responded. Substitute even Navarro finished from the edge of the area to put the world champions ahead with 13 minutes left. But Stina Blackstenia set up Lena Hurtig to level. However, deep in injury time, Amanda Illestet was sent off after pulling down Amia Saregi in the box. And Mariona Caldente put away the penalty. The other game in that group saw Ariana Caruso's header ensure that Italy got off to a winning start in Switzerland. So, Dan, Inesh, what, what else took your fancy out of those Group A fixtures. I mean, you've touched on them there. That that Danish result was absolutely superb, wasn't it, against Germany? Um, nobody saw that coming, but I think they've done it before. Didn't they do it in the Euros when, you know, 2017, when everything was pointing towards Germany and upset the odds? So, yeah, there's a bit of history there, definitely. Um, but, yeah, obviously the Spain result as well, everything that's gone on 
you know, what a roller coaster game that was. And, you know, to win it in the fight of the final knockings of that game was was massive for them. But, you know, whether whether everything's now settled and they're over the hurdle, I'm I'm not sure. You know, we'll have to see what bubbles on in, in the coming months. Sweden will be sick of the sight of Spain, <laughs> especially late on. Irinesh, any other of those fixtures take your fancy? I really liked uh, the uh, Sweden-Spain um, game, especially, let me just say, I really, really liked uh, how supportive of the Spanish players uh, the Swedish uh, team were before the game, and even the Swedish fans. That was really beautiful beautiful to watch. Uh, I think it's amazing that Spain managed to uh, get make that performance uh, with so little sleep. Um, you know, they, they slept like four hours, which for a for a professional player is really really bad um and spain were the better team i think sweden were were way better uh in the world cup semi-final because these two teams uh met again after such a short time it was alexia's uh best game since her return from injury and i think for arsenal because we were talking about uh or in a in an english podcast i think arsenal have to uh be a little careful with uh Eilstedt's, um penalty prone uh, uh, def- defense. I think she's a great player. She's a great defender, but she has to be more careful in the box because those that's like two penalties against Spain in a, against Spain in a row. And uh, let me just say, I was very surprised uh, by Denmark beating Germany as well. I do think the first goal is a foul, by the way, uh, but they were the better team in the first half and Germany looked kind of like listless and directional directionless um i think their defending is all over the place it's been it's been weird what's happened to germany then in yes do you think well you know they look they look lost um obviously like um martina von stecklenberg's um uh, like influence is still all over the team obviously because you know she's just still <laughs> and uh, i don't think it's working anymore it, at least that's how it looks from the outside. It looks like it's not working anymore. You know, you, you f- sometimes, you know, there are cycles in football and sometimes cycles come to an end because it's, it's you know, there's like this, um, I'm missing the word, uh, but, you know, like the two sides get tired of each other mm. and that is okay because, you know, not all relationships last forever. Um, and like, I think, that relationship has come to an end and it, there's also like a lot of protesting from uh you know former german players and uh, current german players against their federation which seems to unfortunately unfortunately be um a constant in women's football uh because you know lack of proper conditions and etc but yeah it's right now they look they look lost their defending is all over the place it's uh they're attacking they're not dangerous enough in attack and it looks like a team that is tired of itself and everything that surrounds them i know that feeling sometimes you just get tired of everything don't you (laughs) (laughs) i am the german women's team at the minute um Dan, I know you mentioned it last week, uh, quickly looking at the other games, uh, Republic of Ireland against Northern Ireland, and it was played uh, at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. 35,994 spectators there. That's a record for an Ireland women's match. Uh, They beat Northern Ireland by three goals to nil, and it meant an opening day defeat for new Northern Ireland manager Tanya Roxtaby. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the crowd, I didn't think that was possible that they'd get 35,000 there, but... 
you know, it just shows the power of the World Cup and what their team is is doing. Um, you know, hopefully it'll do what it's done in England, where it'll then roll out onto the, you know, the local leagues and, you know, more girls want to play it, more girls are wanting to try and push towards professionalism. So, you know, hopefully that's going to have a huge impact and, you know, for the remainder of the games as well, they can get some really good crowds. Um, you know, performance-wise, obviously they delivered on the day, which was brilliant. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they're the only team who played in the World Cup who were in Group B or League B, as they call it, which mm. they might feel a little hard done done to on that as well. So, you know, maybe there's something expected of them to to get promoted. Um, but, um, yeah, maybe a little harsh in the draw. Um, as for Northern Ireland, I think, obviously, new coach coming in, new system, new ways of working, it might take a little bit of time. Um, let's not forget kind of how much the team kind of overachieved under Kenny Shields as well. Um, you know, Tanya's got, uh, you know, love him or hate him, Shields. Tanya's got a big job to try and emulate and better what he did there. Finland, who have made it to the four of the last five women's Euros, were among the winners in League B as well, thanks to a convincing 4-0 defeat of Slovakia, while Eva Pajo's first-minute goal set Poland on the way to a 3-1 victory in Greece. In at League C, Andorra secured their first ever competitive win, 2-1 in Moldova. Bulgaria ended a 13-year wait for competitive win with a 1-0 victory in North Macedonia. 18-year-old Joanna Stankova made history. She got the first ever Women's Nations League goal across the whole of the groups. So there you go, put that in your uh, in your books if it ever comes up as a quiz question. And uh, Cyprus picked up an away point for the first time in any senior women's competition, holding Azerbaijan 1-1. And in the this is what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, I love the Nations League. I'm going to be honest. I love uh, the format. Uh, I know that uh, the, that that's a calendar problem. I know that like the calendar is all wrong, but I love the format. I love that uh, teams get to play more games. Teams get to uh, play against each other, against stronger teams, against weaker teams, uh, and also like fairer matchups. So, and you know, we end the uh, the meaningless friendly thing i hate uh meaningless friendlies so i think competition is better so it's like it's all about like those like you said like those historic wins uh that uh that historic goal that first goal that first win that those first points uh you know dreaming of uh relic well having nightmares with the relegation uh dreaming of promotion and i i just love it i think it's um it's amazing because it gives everyone a fairer chance, in my opinion. And yeah, I I, I love the, I love the Nations League. I know it's not uh, a very popular uh, opinion, uh, but I do love the competition. Yeah, like you say, Dan, it's it's, it's not the more the, the competition as such; it's more just the calendar, isn't it, where it's stuck at the minute. Yeah, you you know my thoughts on it, Luke. I'm not the biggest fan at the minute, but I'm going to keep open uh, open minded with it. Um, it is it's the it is mainly the calendar. I think the fact that you know obviously these games have come right in front of a, the start of an English league season, which isn't great. Straight after a World Cup, um, you've got all these ACL injuries in England, which is still kind of under investigation. And you know you'd like to see the domestic leagues grow before you see the international game grow. But yeah, ask me in a couple of years' time. But at the minute, I'm just kind of. <laughs> Where's this going? And, you know, ultimately, is everyone going to stay fit, get rest? And, you know, everything can be balanced together. Domestically, no championship action, but there was National League, wasn't there, Dan? There was only two fixtures in the National League North, but it was a full quota in the South. 
yeah, I think you know some clubs got the option with Maddie's passing uh, to call games off. Obviously, you know she, you know her kind of relationship spread across leagues, not just the championship. So in the north, there were a couple of games postponed. So um, the main one of the few games that shook place, Wolves won five 0 and you know obviously they're a team who have been up up there in recent years, and they'll want to be up there again. Um, full card in the south. The usual candidates won, hashtag march on, um, you know, with a 3-0 win against London Bees. You know, they, they may be the surprise package this season. And, you know, we know they're a little bit of a unique project, but, you know, they're certainly heading in the right direction. Big win for Ipswich against Cheltenham, 8-0. Um, Portsmouth beat Oxford, 4-0. And Rugby Borough bounced back after that great start. I think they hit a brick wall last week. But, yeah, 6-2 winners against Plymouth. So, um, went with the form book this week, Luke. In the over over the pond in America, we've not really mentioned about the NWSL on the podcast since the season started, mainly because the World Cups got in the way. But uh, it's re- reaching an exciting conclusion, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, like the top three, top four teams are very, very close points wise. Uh, obviously, like there's there's a playoff that decides the champion, but I think I do think there should be um um like an award for or like bigger recognition for whoever finishes, you know, the regular season up top because, you know, it's uh uh championships are usually uh, um like a, a contest of reg- regularity, you know, and uh being the most competitive throughout. So I think, you know, it's a marathon like they usually say. So there should be greater recognition for winning their marathon uh but yeah there's been some surprises uh san diego wave uh who are coached by english uh former player uh casey stoney continue to impress in their second ever season uh the portland thorns are still so 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 powerful it's it's ridiculous how good they are um and you know there are some disappointments of course uh racing louisville and um uh, Angel City are fighting to be in the playoffs. Then you have like Casey Current, who we I really expected more of them, uh, especially Casey Current. Um, but yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been really exciting. It's also super weird that competition goes on even when some of their best players are abroad playing international football, because uh, I'm used to uh, cl- like leagues respecting the uh, international international windows. Um, but it's been really exciting. I mean, I, I love the NWSL in the sense that everyone can beat everyone. And that's why you don't have like uh, teams that have like if we I was looking at the table right now and like the last place team has 21 points and the first place team has 32. It's just an 11 point difference it's everyone can beat everyone it's super competitive it's super balanced um so like even when a team disappoints they're not that far off from from first place um so yeah it's i think it's that's why i think it's the best league in the world or at least well i don't i don't like seeing the best but it's the most competitive uh league in the world with tons and tons of great players and i'm excited to see how the matchups for the playoff are and who finishes up top uh in the regular season because again i think there should be more recognition for finishing that marathon in first place and the next uh match day uh the portland thorns are going to face off uh are going to play the san diego wave 
So that's first placed against second placed. So that is very, very exciting. Uh, we'll see. It's like, it's maybe uh, an anticipated final of the NWSL altogether. So that game will be very, very, very exciting to watch. WSL starts this coming weekend as well. As Dan mentioned, the pick of the fixtures, and it's the one that obviously the TVs uh, think is the pick of the fixtures as well, is Aston Villa at home to Manchester United. That is a half-past 12 kickoff on Sunday. Uh, Everton and Brighton, they take on each other at one. And then uh, two o'clock kickoffs are Arsenal against Liverpool, Bristol City against Leicester, and then the three o'clock West Ham against Manchester City. And then the late kickoff at half past five is Chelsea against Spurs. I mean, Dan, I suppose out of those, it's Villa against United, which is the pick of the fixtures. Yeah, it probably is. That's not a unfair comment. Um, as we know, Villa are probably secretly, maybe they're maybe not kind of overemphasising it, but they're secretly probably chasing, you know, that top four place. Um, United have obviously had a lot of change, brought some new players in. Not sure about the depth there or not, we'll, um, whether they've got it or not, so we'll see. Um, the other one is Arsenal-Liverpool, I think, jumps out. You know, obviously Arsenal fell out of the Champions League very early. How are they going to react to that? Massive crowd at the Emirates. I think they've sold 47,000 so far. Um, and Liverpool have strengthened a lot in the window as well. So, um, you know, that that might be a decent game. Um, so, yeah, I th I'd say that they're the pick of the two. I think just going back to Villa, I think they've sold a lot of tickets as well. I think that's going to be a five-figure crowd, which is really great for them. Um, but, yeah, everything, there's, there's a lot on offer opening day of the season. And I think... Um, Every game has a different tale to it. Inyash, any any fixtures that take your eye in the WSL? Uh, yes, um, Chelsea Tottenham, uh, as well as uh, West Ham Manchester City. But uh, I think the one I'm most excited for is uh, Arsenal Liverpool. You know, always uh, a tough game. Uh, Liverpool are getting better and better over the years. Uh, so it's uh, and obviously, like I'm gonna be honest, I'm I like Arsenal. So. <laughs> Um, that'll be I'll be rooting for them, but it's it'll be um, a very tough game in my opinion, and it'll be also like a test for this Arsenal team that has just been knocked out of the uh, of the Champions League. So all the fixtures, then you're looking forward to basically is what you're saying. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, I totally missed Aston Villa Manchester United. You know, um, that one will be good too because uh, I love Clara Ward. And, you know, she's she uh, set up such a great team uh, last year. So I'm excited to see how Aston Villa do this year specifically. But yeah, every fixture. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, well, that is it. Um, no, thanks to Dan and Yesh for joining us. Thank you for coming on. Cheers, Thank thanks, you. Man. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to us. Follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and we're on Instagram, the Women's Football podcast uh, don't forget to like and leave us a review as well until then we'll see you all next week the women's football podcast in partnership with her game too